Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Listen, say a little quick prayer for me this morning. I think I'm dealing with the stomach virus, but I am, uh, I'm pressing through. I, I, I thought about this guy I used to go on mission. I went on one mission trip with him to India, and he'd always get up, and every time something wouldn't go right, he'd say, the devil don't want me preaching this. So that's, that's what I'm thinking this morning. The devil don't want me preaching this this morning, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Amen. So I want to I talk to you this morning about steps to transition. And one of the things um, that obviously as a church, I know a lot of you are, are, are guests of ours this morning. Maybe, you, maybe you're not aware of different things. And, uh, but, but our church is in, in, a, in a time of transition. And Donald announced last week that, that he would be he would be transitioning. And one, th- one of the things I'd like to say about that is, is that Donald transitioning into this new position is really not him leaving the church, but it's our church expanding. I want you to understand that. That what Donald's doing is he's stepping into a role where CTMF is the organization that our church is a part of, and that organization oversees several churches in Kentucky. Uh, there are a couple in Missouri, a few in Indiana, and different places like that in this region. And so he's going to be stepping into a role, which was uh, Rick Clendenin's, which was one of our overseers in this church. He's going to be stepping into that role eventually. Now, this is going to be like a nine-month to a one-year transition. So be in prayer for that as we both step into new roles. And you know, one of the things I'd been reading, we're going to be in Joshua chapter one this morning, okay? And I've been reading this because it's sort of an encouragement to my soul. I love Joshua chapter one. It means a lot to me, but it's all about transition. Joshua chapter one is it's, it's when Joshua, Joshua is commissioned into the ministry that was beforehand Moses's ministry. And he was dealing with some personal issues, dealing with that transition, and he was trying to step into it. And so I was studying the, these scriptures and earlier this week, uh, Rick Clendenin was, was preaching, which is our overseer. He was preaching and he preached a message on the same chapter. And I thought, well, you know, I thought this was just for me, but I want to deliver this to our church because here's the other thing that I believe, you know, even though our church is transitioning, I believe there are people right here that are at a, at a place of transition in their own life. And you got to know how to make that transition work or otherwise you're going to stay back where God never intended for you to stay. And you got to move forward and you got to know how to get there. And you got to go through with, with, with some boldness, with some courage. And so we want to we read this together. We want to study this together. We want to work our way into this transition together. Amen? amen? All right. The more you amen me, the better, the, the, the more my sickness leaves. So Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Let's read these verses and then we will uh, pray together. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you this morning. For each and every person that's here, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I just ask that your spirit would anoint these words and breathe life onto them. 
so that God, the words that I speak and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight and you would use it to trans, transform us this morning, God, and that you would bring encouragement, you would bring supernatural strength into each one of our spirits because, God, you've got something ahead for us that we're not ready for in our own selves, but, God, you've promised to never leave us and you've promised to give us the strength to do your will. And so we ask you for it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, before we get started, I just remembered Trey, Trey and Shelly, it's their 12th anniversary. Trey Bowling and Shelly Bowling, it's their 12th anniversary today. Isn't that right? Yeah. They asked me if I remembered where I was, where I was 12 years ago today, which I didn't. But, but I was at their wedding in their wedding ceremony, but it was a wonderful day. Congratulations, you guys. We love them. Um, but yeah, well, let's get on into this sermon this morning. We're going to talk about steps to transition. And here's the thing. When you look at the Old Testament, and we talk about this a lot in this church, but the Old Testament is really a type of your, your story and my story and our life with Jesus Christ. And what, what you got to understand is that when they came to this point, and when Joshua is getting ready to take leadership of the children of Israel, of all of Israel, and, and when he's taking this leadership, they've come a long way to this point. They have been enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. And their enslavement in Egypt is a picture of mine and your enslavement to sin before we were saved and gave our lives to Jesus. Amen. We were in bondage. We were enslaved to addictions, to sin, to fear, to all kinds of different things in our life. And God sent Moses in the same way that he sent Jesus in to apply the blood of the lamb to their lives so that they could pass through the Red Sea the same way that we passed through the baptismal waters. And they came out on the other side and they were in a wilderness. Now God told them, I didn't just deliver you from that bondage and from that slavery so you could say I'm free now, but I delivered you because I have a purpose for you and I have a land that is promised for you that I want to bring you into. You know that when God decided to save you, it wasn't just because he wanted to say, well, now you're saved, you can sit back and take your ease. No, he said, I'm saving you because I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you, but it's going to be at the end of a journey and I'm going to take you to a promised land. Now, God had promised them this particular land. And when, when you think about the, the New Testament type or shadow of what this means, the promised land that we are heading into is the fullness of God's promises that he has declared in his word for all of us. And God has given us a lot of promises. Amen. And he's saying, I want you to step into the fullness of everything that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to have. And sometimes when we're going into this, you got to understand, they start heading toward this promised land and it was supposed to take them 11 days. You know how long it ended up taking them? It took them 40 years. And oftentimes this is a picture of our spiritual journey where God is saying, look, what, what I've paid and purchased for you to have, you can get in there pretty quickly. You can get in there pretty quickly. It's still a journey, but they could not enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. At the end of the day, they looked at their obstacles. They looked at their challenges and they thought to themselves, this is too difficult. We can't believe it. We don't know if God's actually going to bring us in. And because they failed to believe God, they failed to enter into the promised land. Now, we cannot fall short of entering into the promised land. We have to come into a place where we begin to believe God and understand that he's called us to something greater than we can ever imagine. And here's what you got to understand, too, is that God will always fulfill his promises, but he is not obligated to fulfill your potential. See, he's going to fulfill his promises no matter what happens in your life. But see, you have to participate with what God is doing. God's destiny for my life is not going to fall on me like ripe cherries off of a tree. I have to come into agreement with who God is saying that I am, who God, what God says my destiny is, and I have to step forward in faith in the face of every fear, in the face of every discouragement, and believe that what God is calling me to do, he will equip me to do. And let me tell you this while you're stepping into that promised land. Whatever God calls you to do, if you think you can do it, it's probably not God calling you to do it. If God calls you to do something, you will, your first response, everybody's first response in scripture when God called them to do that, they tried to make excuses to say why they couldn't make it in, why they wouldn't be able to do it, why they weren't good enough, why they weren't strong enough. Because when God calls you to do something, he is going to bring you to the end of yourself where you say, God, if you don't move in me, if you don't move through me, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. 
So you're in a good position when you begin to think and understand there's no way that I can do this because that's when God's power is going to be released in your life. And every time God gives you a promise and says, this is where I want to take you, it is an invitation into spiritual growth. That's why when God gives you a promise, it doesn't always come immediately. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It doesn't always come immediately. The promises of God, they don't always come immediately. Why? Because God is more, uh, he's more interested in you becoming what he's called you to be than you going to the place he's called you to go. He's more about what you are becoming than the place you are going. And the journey is where he shapes you, where he changes you, where he molds you, and he's inviting you into a place of transformation. And so we're trying to enter in to this, but it takes active faith to apprehend and step into what God is calling us to do. So the first thing I want in your notes and the first thing, the first step to transition with God is to arise. Now he says, he says right there in verse one and two, right after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them. He says, look, you've got to arise, Joshua. Moses had died and Moses had been leading the people for 40 years. Moses was the most significant person in Israel's history up to this time. He was the only leader that they knew of. And as far as God was concerned, it was Moses that was supposed to lead these people into the promised land. But there was a moment when he misrepresented God as a gracious God and as a merciful God. He got angry at the people for their rebellion. He struck the rock twice and hollered at them and said, here now you rebels, right? Sometimes pastors get that way, don't they? They get frustrated. Because the people aren't moving forward in the direction that they want them to go. They get ticked off. And God says, well, when you get ticked off like that, what you're doing is you're misrepresenting my character. You're misrepresenting my nature. Because regardless of how many times the people fail, my covenant is made in the blood of Jesus. And I'm there to strengthen them no matter how many times they fail, no matter how many times it looks like they're not going to make it, my intention is still to bring them into the promised land. Isn't it good news that no matter how many times you fail, God's intention for you is still to bring you into his promises? Amen. No matter how many times I mess up, no matter how many times I say, God, but surely I disqualified myself there. Surely we can't make it now. Surely because we messed up here, you don't have the same plans that you used to have. And he says, my plans for you have not changed. You can't allow what's happened to you up to this point to talk you out of moving forward. But see, they begin to weep and they weep for 30 days. You know, when we have funerals and we lose people, we have about two days where we, where we kind of mourn and we have a funeral or whatever. And then, and then people that it's close to, they go on mourning. But these people had 30 days where they wept, where they mourned, where they fasted. And on the 30th day, God shows up to Joshua and he says, Joshua, Moses is dead. And I imagine Joshua would be saying, why in the world are you telling me Moses is dead? We've been sitting here crying for 30 days. I know he passed away. I'm saying, but what he's trying to say is you got to understand that there's a time for mourning. There's a time for weeping. There's a time for sadness, but there's also a time where you move from a position of being depressed and being downward and being uh, upset or, or, or being in self pity or, or, or regretting what you did in your past. And finally you take an upright posture. You rise up into the position that God's calling you into and say, I can no longer stay in my past. I can no longer let what I've done up to this this point lead me into where I'm going or hinder me from where I'm going. I have to arise. I have to stand up and I have to move forward into what God is calling me to do. He's saying the first thing you got to do is you got to arise. You have got to stand up and begin to move in this direction. See, we have pain and loss. Sometimes we have sin in our lives. We have suffering. We have difficult things that we deal with. And I got what he's trying to say here is that you have got to move out of the place of self-pity. You ever get in that place of self-pity? Man, I get there sometimes. It's a terrible place to stay. It is a terrible place to be. When things don't go your way, you wish they'd went differently, and you become downcast, and you begin to stay stagnant for 30 days sometimes, maybe even more, maybe even a year. And God is calling you to rise up, but you're in that downcast position. I'm telling you, you can't make any more excuses when God is asking you to move into transition. He's saying you've got to rise up. You have got to begin to move forward into the place that I'm calling you. The second thing that you've got to do is after you arise is you've got to connect. 
Now he says, you're going to arise, but Joshua, it's not just you that are going to arise. He says, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. Notice that, you and all this people. Whatever God is calling you to do, he is not going to call you to do it alone. You understand that? Most of the time when we begin to seek God and say, God, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to do? We think we are so individualistic in our lives that we think what God is going to call us to do is going to be our life, our mission, our goal. Let me tell you something. Everything that God calls you to do in the kingdom of God is going to be our mission. Our calling, our goal, because he's a relational God, he's a family God, and when he calls you to do something and he's stepping you into transition, he's about connecting you with new people, different people, and the right people to go forward into the place that you go. And every time God transitions you, there's a disconnect from one group of people, and there's a connect to another group of people. Amen this morning? Help me out. You know, in Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter uh, 12, I believe it is, Scripture says, you put that proverb up there. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, I believe it is. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, that's a true statement if I've ever heard one. I remember when I used to be a fool and everybody who was my companion ended up in a bad situation because of it. Amen. But then there was a time when the Lord said, Clay, you got to transition out of this foolishness and you got to connect with some different people, some people that can pour into your life, speak into your life, encourage you and direct you into another position. There's also a proverb and I like this. This one came to my mind this week. Proverbs 18, one, it says he who isolates himself, right? He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Not God's desire, not the desire of the kingdom. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Now, one thing we said last week is if you are a Christian, you do not have the right to say, I'm not a people person. Somebody amen me this morning. You don't have the right as a Christian to say, I'm not a people person. Listen, if there's anybody more introverted in this world when it comes right down to it, it's me. I hate getting up in front of people. I hate being in crowds. I don't enjoy it. The Lord has given me a grace and an anointing to speak in front of people. But the first year that I did it, I pulled my hair out every time I got up to do it because I hated it so bad. And I wanted to isolate myself so badly. I wanted to stay away from people. I wanted to disconnect from people. I tell people all the time, if it were not for the Holy Spirit, I probably wouldn't even have friends in my life because it's the Holy Spirit that began to purify me and cause me to love love people and the whole time I thought God was calling me I believed he was calling me into my ministry and he's saying Clay don't you understand that everything I'm calling you to is about other people and connecting with other people it's all about other people you got to get to the place where you connect with other people and you cannot isolate yourself you rage against all wise judgment See, we, we, we talk about, one of the things we do in this church a lot is small groups. And I'll be honest with you, our church does a poor job at them. Now, I know that doesn't sound great. There's a lot of people in this church that are actively involved in them. But then there's about half of you or more that are totally uninvolved in them. And you're disconnected. The only time you really get involved at all is when you come on Sundays. And sometimes you come in and then you leave early. But I'm telling you, if you are going to change, you have to decide I'm going to intentionally get connected with the right people in my life because where God is taking me, he's not taking me alone. I'm taking somebody with me. Amen. I'm taking somebody with me. So I got, I've got to connect. The third thing is, is that then you have got to step into the promises. You got to step into the promises. You have a responsibility to do what God has called you to do. Just because God has promised them the land does not negate their responsibilities to step out in faith and to take what is given. What he says in verse 3, he says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, I have given you. Now, here's one thing that I want you to understand is that there are over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. Lots of promises in the Word of God. But you inherit those promises by faith. And the only way that I'm going to see certain things take place in my life is if I get into this book myself and begin to find those promises and step into them by faith. I receive them into my heart. I believe them in my heart. They begin to consume my mind and I begin to step into them by faith. Some people say, well, you know, I've never actually seen this particular thing happen. And all I'm saying is, why haven't you stepped into it? 
Sometimes we talk about things like spiritual gifts or God doing miracles and different things like that. And people say, well, I've never seen that. And God is saying, well, it's not because I don't want to do it. It's because I'm asking you to step into it by faith. Those things that you step into are the things that I plan on giving you. But if you step back and don't step into it, it's never going to come your way. You have to actively by faith step into what God's calling you to. And some people say, well, you know, we want to change our community. We want to change families in our community. We want to see the lost saved in our community. And I promise you, until you step into your community, you will never see it happen. He says, I will give you every place the sole of your foot shall tread. I have given you. It takes faith to step into places that you've never been before. It takes faith to step into places that you've never been before. But if you're going to inherit the promises of God and see God move, you have got to step out in faith and in boldness to actually inherit what God is calling you to inherit. The fourth thing is, when you step into these promises, you've got to have vision. You've got to have vision. In verse 4, he says, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So he takes them upon a mountain and he begins to show them all the land. And they look into this land. I want you to imagine looking down into this land that you've never been into before and you see it and it's literally, he calls it a land flowing with milk and honey. Matter of fact, they went down into this land one time. They sent spies into this land and note, and, and think about this. When the spies came back, 12 of them, from checking out this land and seeing how good the land looked, when they came back from the land, they were carrying grapes on a beam across them, and the grapes were as high as their head was all the way down to the ground. Can you imagine that? That big grape as big as your head. That's a big grape, y'all. Big grape. What is he saying? He's saying this is a land of fruitfulness. This is a land of abundance. And when you start to see that vision, they see that. And, and, and the picture is, is that when you start to see, say, God, what do you want in my life? If you look forward and you don't see transformation, you don't see salvation, you don't see deliverance, you don't see fruitfulness, you are not looking with the eye of God. You don't have a God type of a vision. See, faith and fear see two different things, don't they? Faith and fear see two totally different things. There were 12 spies and 10 of the spies, they came back from the land and there was one thing that they saw. They said, there are giants in that land and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. The obstacles they saw was bigger than their faith in God. The obstacles they saw were bigger than their belief that God could give it to them. But Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says, they were of another spirit. They were of a spirit of faith. And they said, surely God has given us the land. And they said, whatever obstacle is in our way, it's just going to be bread for us. Any challenge that we face is just going to be nourishment to our souls. How often have you looked at challenges like that? How often have you looked at challenges and said, rather than this backing me down, this is going to make me stronger? And get excited about the giants that you are about to face because you know God has promised you that land. It doesn't matter the giants that are in that land trying to tell you you can't make it in. What matters is the word of God that tells you I have given you this land. Now step into it by faith. I know you're afraid. I know you're scared. But you've got to get a vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. You've got to get a vision for what God is calling you to do in your life. And I'm telling you, it's better than you've ever imagined. But you've got to begin to see it or you will never step into it. Number five, he knows that when he gets this vision, it's going to be overwhelming to him. Because like I said, when God calls you to do something, I told Andrea just yesterday, and I'm just being vulnerable. I told Jeremy Baker the other day, I said, you know what? I'm glad I'm actually pastoring a church where I don't have to be fake. Somebody amen me. I'm glad that I can sit down with my buddy. I, told, I called Jeremy my pastor the other day. I sat down to him and I unloaded some stuff that I was dealing with. And I said, you know what, Jeremy? I said, I thank God that I don't have to come in here and act like I've got it all together because I have the title pastor. Listen, whatever we're doing together, we're, I'm, it's not that I'm, I'm leading in front of you saying, I've got this thing figured out. Come on, follow me. I'm saying, I don't have this thing figured out, but let's go together and we will figure it out. See, that's the life that we are living. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that God is able to take us. And I know that that's how you lead by faith in Christ. And we walk together hand in hand, arm in arm, saying, when you go down, I'll pick you up. 
right? That's how you have to come into it. And he says this to him. He says, I know it's going to be difficult, but he says to, to Joshua, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, I love this because he's saying, when he says no man, he's actually talking about their enemies. So if you put that over into the New Testament, he's saying no resistance, no demonic power, no obstacle, no mountain in your way shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. That when you come and you face an enemy, all you have to realize is that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he is the one that has called you to take that land. So he will drive your enemies out from before you. I don't care if the enemy is addiction. I don't care if the enemy is broken family. I don't care if the enemy is your fear. I don't care if the enemy is your doubts. He's saying none of those things are going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Why? Because as I was with Moses, so will I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's one of the best promises in Scripture. Now see, this never leaving, never forsaking, we're talking about the presence of God. God being with us. God being with us in our lives. And here's what I want you to understand. People say, well, you know, I've not really felt the presence of God. I've not experienced the presence of God. And a lot of times you don't feel anything because the Christian life is not always about feelings. There've been seasons in my life where I have been overwhelmed by the literal experiences that I was having with God. I have felt God. I've wept tears. And there've been seasons in my life where it feels like God is nowhere to be seen, but the promise remains the same. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. But here's one thing that I know about God is that I experience God's presence far more when I am engaged in his mission and in his vision. When I'm doing my own thing, I distance myself. But when I say, God, I'm committed to your vision, I'm committed to your mission, all of a sudden he says, this is what I'm engaging in. And you come into agreement with what God is doing, you begin to experience his presence. And he says, in that, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And see, he's saying, you've got this territory that you need to inherit in your life. You've got this promised land in front of you. Whether it's salvation, whether it's deliverance, whether it's healing, God is saying as a church, as a people, I want you to begin to enter into this. And you will know that you're entering into it when you begin to see the breakthrough coming. Every time we see souls saved, every time we see people get set free from things that they've been bound to for years, every time we see somebody healed, whether it be spiritually, emotionally, or physically, we're seeing the kingdom of God come and we're seeing ourselves entering into those promised land, into the promised land that God has for us. Verse 6 and 7, he tells him now, Be strong and of a good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now, one of the things you're going to notice in these verses of Scripture is, is God using the word prosperity or prosper and good success. Now, a lot of times when we talk in the Christian church nowadays, everybody's like, well, that's that prosperity gospel. That's that pros prosperity gospel. Well, let me, let me say it to you like this. I think where we got mixed up as a church, is God against prosperity? No. He is a God of prosperity. The problem is, is that the world defined prosperity different than how God defined prosperity. And you can be prosperous in this world. You can be prosperous financially. You can be prosperous in your career. You can be prosperous on the outside. You can have nice things and inwardly be nearly dead. Because prosperity begins, see, in, in 3 John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. The outward prosperity comes after you begin to prosper in your soul. The first place God wants you to prosper is in your soul. And we got people, Christians, dealing with all kinds of different things. We're dealing with struggles. We're dealing with fear. We're dealing with anxiety. We're dealing with depression. We're dealing with all of these things. And he says, before you get a bunch of money and all that junk, that's really not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in you prospering in your soul, but I want prosperity for your life. I want you to have spiritual, emotional, and mental health, and I want that to be in order. Amen? So then he begins to say, now this is how you're going to begin to prosper. And he, gives you, he really gives you one way that this is going to happen. In verse 8, I love this verse. It says, this book of the law... 
This book of the law. Now, and if you read that in the Old Testament, it really reads this book of the Torah. At that point, guess what? They only had a few books written, right? The first five books of the Bible. Moses had written them. He had given them to Joshua. And God is saying, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Right now, we can translate that to us that this book, the scriptures that God has given us, this book shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So, again, we have a responsibility, don't we? What's God saying? He's saying, I want you to I want you to make your way prosperous I want you to have good success, but in order for you to be prosperous and in order for you to have good success, you're going to have to do something. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night to observe all that is written in it to do it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And somebody said, well, you know, I thought God was the one that made our way prosperous. Yes, but he's giving you instructions. And so many times Christians in their life don't experience what God wants for them because they don't follow through on the instructions that God gives them. He says, then you will have good success after what? You learn to let this book be in your mouth, let it be in your mind, and ultimately let it be in your actions. And he says, when that consumes you, then all of a sudden you're going to begin to experience prosperity and good success. Number five in your notes is be in the book until the book is in you. That may be the best point of the day. One of the things we teach here at City of Hope Church, man, is for people to get in the Word of God. How many people brought a Bible this morning? If you did, won't you just hold it up? If you didn't, that's fine. Hold that sucker up. See, this thing right here, I've got like 13 of them, right? I mean, I love a Bible. I love a physical hard copy Bible. I get on my phone, I read it too. But the point is, is you have to be in the book until the book is in you. It's not enough to just know scripture, but that scripture has to be inside of you. He wants it to become one with you. And he's saying, this is how you begin to do it. This is how you begin to experience this. He says, it's got to be in your mouth. Now, there's a few scriptures. Notice this term meditate, okay? Meditate. Any of y'all ever meditated before? How many of y'all have you ever been, you ever been so sick to your stomach, you just, you, you've worried to death about something and you just cannot get it out of your mind, it keeps you up at night, you're full of anxiety, you're full of fear? How many of y'all ever done that? Right? Well, that means you know how to meditate. Because you keep running it over in your mind. You can't quit thinking about it. And what God is saying is you just need to change what is going on in your mind and you need to be intentional about the thoughts that you think. You need to be intentional about what is running on in your mind and you need to change what is going on in your mind. Now in Psalm chapter 1, I love this chapter. It's, it's kind of a parallel chapter to it, but in Psalm 1, it says, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now notice this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of waters, which shall bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will what? Prosper. Right? So you're going to find out that the secret to biblical prosperity is for the word of God to be in your mouth, to be in your mind, to be in your heart. This word meditate that he uses is really interesting because it means, it literally means this. It means to ponder in your heart and to mutter silently under your breath. It has to do with speaking it out of your mouth over and over again. Now, I st- when I learned this early on, I actually started practicing this. Like week to week, I would take a Bible verse or I'd take a section of scripture and I'd write it down somewhere or I'd put it on my phone, put it on my screensaver, something like just where I would be looking at it regularly. And every time I just had a little break in the day or a moment, I would just sort of under my breath, I begin to speak that. I begin to speak those verses, those words until they got into me, until they got in my, they were in my mouth, until they got into my mind and started to change the way that I thought about stuff. And finally they got in my heart and they actually changed my behaviors, my actions, my responses, and they rewired who I was. Somebody amen me. Do you know you've been wired by all the words that you hear, all the TV shows that you watch, all the things that you listen to? You've been wired by those words. And God is saying the reason you're not successful is because the world has wired you. The world has wired you with depression, with fear, with anxiety, with lust. 
with materialism, with consumerism. The world has wired you and you have got to be intentional about rewiring yourself with the Word of God. It's the only way that you're going to be transformed and it's the only way that you're going to have biblical prosperity and biblical success in your life and become what God's called you to be. Somebody said, well, you know, I like music. I don't like the Word of God. God said, you know what? I like both. Right? I've heard people say stuff like that. You cannot leave the Word of God out of your life. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is nourishment for your soul. It is daily bread. And this word meditate, it's pretty interesting because if you get down to the root word of it, you get down to the root word of it, and I've said this several times, but I never get tired of it. Y'all ever seen a a cow chewing the cud? Be chewing like that? And they do that, and then they swallow it, and then they they regurgitate. I feel like regurgitating right now, to be honest with you. It's rough this morning. Oh, but here's the idea. You know, when you eat food, you swallow it one time, you digest it. It's it's over, right? He's saying the Word of God is so rich and so filled with nutrients that it's not enough to swallow it one time and digest it. He says you need to swallow the Word of God and you need to bring it back up and chew on it a little bit more and refine it a little bit more. And then you need to swallow it again and bring it back up and chew on it a little bit more until it is so refined and so broken down that now it becomes one with who you are. You become a living representation of the Word of God. Right? It's written not just on paper now, but it's beginning to be written in your heart. Why? Because you're meditating in the Word of God. Now, there was this, there's this thing in the, maybe y'all have seen this before, people have been to Jerusalem or maybe they've seen something, but any of y'all ever seen pictures of people at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem? Anybody ever seen that? So, so, so you've seen it. So, so what you got is you got Jewish people, they're holding out the Old Testament, they're holding out the Bible, and they're, they're praying, right? And they're at the Wailing Wall like this, and they've always got their books open, and they're, and they're actually rocking back and forth because they believe that physical action has to do with, with focusing and removing all distractions. To meditate means that you're so focused on one thing that it removes all other distractions. See, what we do in our hyper-fast, fast-food, drive-through society is we just try to get little quick things, man. We try to get a quick devotion, a quick prayer in, a quick this, a quick that. And I'm telling you, if you're going to see transformation, the quick thing is good when it's all you've got, but you've got to change your lifestyle to slow down and be with God and remove distractions. That's when the transformation is going to come. And this thing was called davening, where they would sit at this wailing water, they would sit in prayer. And what they're doing is they're reading Scripture. That's all they're doing. But for them, that was a form of prayer, to just read Scripture over and over again and speak it out loud under their breath, right? And they are meditating. That's what they call biblical meditation. And they believe that it would become so one with them that they actually become a representation of the Word. And God is saying, when you learn to meditate like this, you are changing your emotions, you're harnessing your emotions, you're harnessing your thoughts, and you're actually rewiring your very nature to respond to things the way that God would respond to them. It's just getting into you this morning. Making sense? So you got to be in the book until the book is in you. Because right now, just like I said, this world is, is, is throwing all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of ideas at us. And I'm telling you, even, even just, sometimes I, I was getting ready this morning. I was feeling sick and I, I, started, I started looking at something on my phone and, there, and it's just negativity. Stuff that was getting plugged in my mind and I had to shut it off. I said, no, Lord, I ain't getting in this this morning. I got to preach the word of God. I can't allow this stuff to infect my soul this morning. I've got to have a a, a clean vessel for your word to flow through. I've got to keep my mind pure. I've got to keep my thoughts pure. I've got to stay focused. And I'm telling you that really just a little bit of the word here and there, a little bit of word on Sunday is not going to be enough for you to stay strong in this culture. He says, you're going to meditate in it when? Once a week? Night and day, day and night, you'll be in the Word and the Word will be in you and it's going to transform who you are and change you. He says, then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Number six is to be courageous. I got two more and I'm done. Number six is to be courageous. Now, in verse nine, here's what it says after he tells him to do this. 
He says, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, here's what I want you to understand is that many of you, I know you're discouraged. I know you're afraid. I know you don't know where you're going in the future. I, I told Andrea the other day, I said, I said, Andrea, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't know what to do. And, 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 and that puts you in a place where you're, you're just like, it almost makes you want to back up. It makes you want to quit. It makes you want to go somewhere else in your life, right? And he's saying, look, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm with you wherever you go. But listen to this. He says, have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage? It's a command to be strong and of a good courage. And you know what? He doesn't even tell me how to be strong. He doesn't even tell me how to have courage. He just says you need to stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God and then be strong and have courage. When fear comes your way, stand strong. Be of a good courage. What what is courage? What does courage even mean? Why is it important? Courage is a resolute spirit and a mind that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, and pain in the face of fear and great obstacles. It enables you to face fear, difficulty, pain in the face of great obstacles and to overcome them and to press through. And God is saying, I've commanded you. Now, I want you to just take that from the Lord this morning. I've commanded you to be strong and to be of a good courage. Don't allow the devil to come again. Because when the devil attacks, what's he coming with? The devil's going to attack you with fear. He's going to attack you with discouragement. And he's going to attack you with loneliness. How many of y'all, you've thought, I'm doing this all alone. I got nobody with me. I feel all alone in this battle. That's the devil. And when all that fear begins to overwhelm you, that discouragement begins to overwhelm you, you're never going to make it. It's never going to be like what you think it's going to be. It's always going to be worse. That is the devil attacking you, and God, therefore, gives you a response. He says what? Do not be afraid, neither be discouraged, and you don't have to worry about loneliness because I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be discouraged. And the last thing is this. The last thing is this, and I'm done. Number seven is to sanctify yourself. Now, sanctify is one of them churchy words that you really don't know unless you've been in church for a while, right? So in case you don't know it, a good definition of sanctification is, the first definition of it is to be set apart. That's really what it means. It means that God sets you apart for His purposes, and then He begins to transform you because of that. And to be sanctified is to be set, set apart and then changed by God for his purposes. Now, I want to read to you one last little portion of Scripture. In Joshua chapter 3, they're getting ready to go into the land. They're getting ready to cross this Jordan. And it says that Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Let me tell you something. The way that God is taking you, you've not passed this way before. There are things where God is taking you, you've never done them before, you've never seen them before, you've never experienced it before. Up to that point, maybe you've never even heard it. And God is saying, look, step back just a little bit, but follow in cautiously because the way you are going, you've never been this way before, but God's going to take you through it anyway. And that's where some of you all are at right now. He says, you're going to set out from your place and you're going to go after it. Verse 5, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. Now I want to tell you something that's different between Joshua and Moses. Joshua is getting ready to part the waters at Jordan and they're going to pass over into the promised land. But when Moses parted the waters, how did he part the waters? He parted the waters with his rod of authority. When Joshua parts the waters, he doesn't part the waters with a rod, but he parts the waters with a team. Somebody amen me on that. I want you to get that. I want you to understand that because in order for us to go into what God has to go into, has us to go into, we go through it together as a team or the waters are not going to part. 
We go through it together. Every person functioning in the place that God has called them to function or we're not going through. See, there's a difference between how Mo- Moses run himself ragged about it. That's why he flipped out in the end because he didn't have anybody going through it together with him. He parted the water by himself. He led the people by himself. It took his father-in-law to tell him, Moses, you got too much stuff going on, man. You need to appoint some elders and some people to watch out for some things with you. And I'm telling you right now, there are people in this church, there are people that don't even realize that God has called you to far more than you can imagine. And right now he is saying, you need to rise up and begin to step into the things that I'm calling you to do. You need to begin to be vocal. You need to understand, just like what Shauna was saying. Shauna was saying this morning, I, she was at the verge of considering in her heart she was afraid, she was discouraged. She was thinking, maybe I should quit singing. And I said, no, the Lord has given you a voice. He has called you to sing. Do not back up, but step into the things that you think you cannot do because God is going to give it to you. And that's where many of you are at this morning. God is going to give it to you, but you have got to begin to step into it. You've got to believe that God has got you for it, and He's going to give you a team. He's going to surround you with people that are going to encourage you. He's going to surround you with people that you're going to be hand in hand with them. You're going to lean on each other. You're going to rely on each other the same way that Joshua did. He said, we're going in this. And he said, you guys carry that Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. The presence of God is going before you into the place that you are going. And here's what he says. These are the instructions, the last ones. He says, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. How many of you are too religious to say, I don't believe in wonders. I'm sorry, I had to be rude at least one time this Sunday. But you know, it kills me sometimes that Christians are the very ones. Christ, signs and wonders followed Him wherever wherever He went. And we are Christians. We're Christ followers. We believe that God does the miraculous in human lives. That he brings transformation. And he says, sanctify yourself. Why? Because the Lord plans on doing wonders among you tomorrow. And the Lord is planning on doing wonders among us in our community, in our families, in your life. He plans on doing wonders. But what does he do? He says, you got to sanctify yourselves. What does that mean? It means that I recognize God wants to do something that I am incapable of in my own strength and in my own effort. And He's calling me far beyond what I've been doing for the last 10, 15, 20 years in my religious ritual. He's calling me to a deeper place of service. He's calling me to a deeper place of community. He's calling me to a deeper place of calling where I begin to reach people the way that God's called me to reach people. And He's saying, if you really believe that God wants to do wonders in those areas of your lives, here's how you need to respond. You need to set yourself apart. You need to to come to a place where you say, you know what, my life is covered up with too much TV. My life is covered up with too much social media. I'm giving my time to a bunch of meaningless stuff that just is wasting my time. And I'm going to set my life apart. I'm going to devote my time to God. I'm going to get in His Word until His Word is in me. And I'm going to learn how to pray and seek the face of God. And regardless of what my past has said, or regardless of how many times I've felt, I'm believing that God still loves me. He still has a plan for me. And He's going to do wonders in my life and in your life tomorrow. That's what we have got to believe, folks. He is going to do wonders. And here is your part. He is saying you want to make your way prosperous. You want to have good success. Get in this Word. Begin to allow this thing to wash over your soul. Find the promises of God and apply them to your life and say, God, this is what I'm stepping into. I'm stepping into your promises. I'm believing that not one of them is held back from me. And I'm going to set apart my life and say, you know what, Lord? I'm tired of being just a mundane, regular, run-of-the-mill Christian. I want to set apart myself for your purposes and I want to step into what you're calling me to do and some of you what you think what you think is a small thing is some of the biggest things in the world when we talk about when we talk about even just serving in the children's ministries I want some people in children's ministries that are fired up for what they're going to pour into the children because they've been so full of the word of God that when they go into our children they are speaking the word of God that is going to impact them for years to come you get so full of the word of it's not it's no longer a hassle to do children's ministry. Why? Because you know that you're transforming a life. You know that you're pouring into a human soul. You know that God has destiny for that generation. And like Joshua, you're rising up and saying, I'm taking these people into the promised land. I don't care if they're three years old. There's a verse in the book of Timothy and it says, Timothy, we know, we know how from even as a child, your parents 
your, your, your mother, your grandmother was bringing you up in the Word of God. That word for child, it literally means fetus. It's only mentioned a couple of other times. And what does that mean? That means that when he was in his mother's womb, they were speaking the Word of God over him. Isn't that insane? He's in his mother's womb. And they're speaking the Word of God into him. And they believe that it has impact while, it's, while he's even in the womb. Oh, well, that's, a, you know, that's just flesh. Bull, that's a human soul in there that has destiny. That God created and designed. Now I'm all fired up, y'all. I feel like preaching another hour and a half or so. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. There's a lot of you here. I pray that the Word of God encourage you this morning, but here's what I want to know with all the people that we have here. I want to know about that first step, which is your step with Jesus that you're taking, whether or not you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you've not chosen to follow Him yet. He's saying, I need you to turn from your old life. I need you to turn from your old ways. I need you to recognize that I love you more than you could ever imagine. And I've always had purpose for you. I've always had a design for you. And I'm desiring to bring you out of your sin and out of your bondage. And I want to give you salvation today. I want you to be forgiven of all your sins, of everything that you've done. And I want you to receive that this morning. That's what the Lord's saying to some of you. And if you've not accepted that salvation and that forgiveness, and you've not turned to the Lord to follow Him, and you say, today, I want to do that. I want to take that step. Right now, I want you to lift your hands just as an act of faith. It's an act of faith. It's a form of stepping out. I got a couple here. Any more? I see another. Raise them high where I can see them, please, if you don't mind. Thank you. Thank you. I see a few hands, three or four hands. Anybody else? Anybody else just want to make that commitment this morning? Here's what I want us to all do together as we step out. I want us to pray this prayer together. And especially if you raise your hand, I want you to pray this sincerely to the Lord. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to begin to do something in your heart. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father. All right, now speak it out loud with me. I want to hear you say it. Say, Heavenly Father. I confess my sin to you this morning. Everything I've done and everything I've failed to do, I lay it at the foot of the cross. And I receive your forgiveness. I ask you to wash me in your blood. Give me a new heart. Give me a new mind. I believe in you, Jesus, that you were raised from the dead after you died for my sins on the cross. And I choose to follow you today. I give you my life. I renounce the powers of darkness. I turn from my sin and I'm setting my life apart for your purposes. Every curse is broken in my life. The chain of sin is broken in my life. Every addiction is broken in my life. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me now and enforce the victory that Jesus paid for on the cross. Amen. Listen, I believe God's doing things in here this morning. I want us to just respond to the Lord. I know people are stepping into different places, but I want to just give you an opportunity. We're going to worship together. If you need prayer for anything, I want somebody, if, if we have somebody on our prayer team, if you all would come forward, just be available to pray for people.